You are listening to the Real Happy Mom Podcast, the weekly podcast for busy working moms to get inspiration, encouragement, and practical tips for this journey called motherhood. My name is Tony Ann, and you are listening to episode 156. Recently, I was surprised to learn that one third of Americans are living with extreme stress, and sadly, this effect has only been compounded by the pandemic. This has left millions of people like you and me trying to figure out how to cope with the ever-increasing pressures from work and life. And trust me, I know all about it. One day, I had tried some mints by Stello when I was at work because I was super stressed dealing with some difficult kids. One kid actually bit me so hard and it took everything inside of me not to lose my cool. So I went back to my office, popped two mints, and after 10 minutes, my nerves were calm and I didn't feel like I needed to go home and have a glass or two of wine. Powered by CBD, Stella Mints helped me to feel calm and clear-minded throughout my day, no matter how hectic things get. Each tin contains 30 mints total, and they come in three delicious flavors. And now for a limited time, you can get 15% off Stella Mints and give them a try. Simply go over to stellamints.com slash real and use the coupon code real. That's Stello, S-T-E-L-L-O, mints.com slash real and use the coupon code real for 15% off. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Happy Mom podcast. I am really, really excited because this week is the week before the Thriving Mom Summit, and this summit is coming up here up very, very soon, and I ha- actually have the host on today, Carrie Thompson, who is going to be sharing with us about how we can use the Enneagram for creating routines for ourselves and for our family. In this episode today, Carrie is going to be sharing with us a little bit about the Enneagram, what it is, how it's used, and why it is such a great tool compared to some of the other personality tests out there. Then Carrie also goes into sharing how we can use the Enneagram for creating routines, as well as determining some blind spots that we may have when it comes to growing and thriving as a mom. Now, Carrie is really doing some awesome things, and I had to have her on to talk about the Enneagram. Now, I have had other guests on the podcast talk about the Enneagram, but Carrie has a different take on it, and I am really excited for you to hear about it today. Now, before we jump into the podcast, I really want to make sure that you go ahead and get signed up for the Thriving Mom Summit. The summit is starting on Monday if you are listening at the time of this recording, and I don't want you to miss out on it. It is an awesome summit that is going to be going on for two weeks. There are over 30 speakers and topics that are going to be covering from organization to routines to uh, planning, all of the things that we need to thrive in motherhood. So make sure you head on over to realhappymom.com slash thriving to go ahead and get signed up for this summit. The summit is starting on Monday. Don't want you to miss out. Don't want you to forget to sign up. So go ahead and do it now. Go to realhappymom.com slash thriving. All right. Now that we have that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump on into this week's episode with Carrie. All right. So we got Carrie on today. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie. Thank you, Tony. And I'm so excited that you're having me on today. 
Yes, I'm excited to talk to you because the Enneagram has been something that I've been really trying to get more into to figure out how to make it work for me in my life. Um, So I am really pumped to talk to you and learn more from you on um, the Enneagram and how we can use it um, when it comes to routines. But before we jump into our topic, I wanted you to share a little bit about you and what you do. Yes, my name is Carrie Thompson, and I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. And my business is helping overwhelmed moms. I help them create sustainable rhythms and routines so that they can have more peace, priority-based productivity, and purpose. I use my certification as a certified Enneagram coach through your Enneagram coach to help moms create a solid foundation for growth. And more in relation to my personal life, I am a mom to two young girls, ages three and six. And part of my transition from a a job in public health uh, had to do with them. I realized there, there were gifts that I was given and I wanted to be able to use them to help other moms. So I've been that mom who felt like she was drowning every day and I couldn't seem to get a handle on it. And through my own research through trial and error, I was able to make shifts in my own life. And now I'm passionate about helping fellow moms do the same. Awesome. Awesome. And I love that you talk about the Enneagram on episode 124. I actually had a guest, Becky, who talked about what the Enneagram is and how we can use it to understand ourselves and improve our relationships. But, um, I just wanted you to share a little bit about the Enneagram, what it is, and um, just how it's different from some of the other um, personality tests that are out there. Sure. So the Enneagram is a personality tool, and it's made up of nine basic personality types. So the word Enneagram actually means a nine-sided figure, and the figure is drawn with nine being at the top and one being just to the right and then going clockwise in ascending order. But it's important to understand that through those nine basic types, there are many layers. And those layers include wings, triads, paths, and subtypes, just to name a few. But listen, I want to keep this simple. I don't want to overcomplicate things, but please know that a type one can look very different, especially surface level, than another type one. So these layers really help create your unique personality. So it's important to realize that each of us see the world through a little bit of a different lens. And you can think of those nine types as representing nine basic colors. And then those layers that I talked about give us a bit of a different shade of those nine basic colors, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you describe that too. Um, so I'm wondering how is the Enneagram, you know, um, used as a tool as far as understanding ourselves in, in comparison to some of the other tools that are out there? Yes. This is where I really, I'm so passionate about the Enneagram because it really does differ from other personality types out there because it focuses on the why behind our behavior, our behavior. So why we do what we do, our motivations behind our behaviors. Whereas many personality types out there focus solely on the behaviors themselves. So when we discover the why 
sir, you know, beyond the surface level, peel back the layers, the why behind our behaviors. I think that we can then identify on a deeper level our motivations, which then allow us to get curious before we take action, to take that moment to pause and get curious as to that why, that motivation. It may be a core fear that we're taking action on. And then we can discover our strengths. The Enneagram is an awesome tool to help us discover our strengths and then to show up in the world with those strengths. Those are gifts that we've been given. And I talked about the gifts that I identified in my own life. And then on the flip side, we can discover our weaknesses through the Enneagram. Our weaknesses include our greatest vulnerabilities. They include our blind spots. But in my opinion, I think that when we become more aware of these weaknesses and blind spots, we can create strategies in which we can veer back towards a path of growth. So I like to talk about the negatives, so the vulnerabilities, your weaknesses in relation to driving a car when you hit a rumble strip on the interstate. So we're able, once we hit that rumble strip, oh, that's a cue to us to then veer to self-correct back into a path of growth. So those weaknesses, we then can identify and then create strategies to help us towards a path of ultimate growth as a person and as someone who contributes to the society, to society, but also as a mom. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I like how you describe it as the rumble strips too. Um, because when I was talking to Becky on episode 124, she encouraged me to take the test the, to figure out, you know, where I fall on the Enneagram and I fall um, as two. And when I read the results, I was like, I don't really know if this is really me, but I'm just wondering how can, well, one, where can we go to find out what our Enneagram number is? And then two, how can we start to use that to start to create routines for ourselves and our families? Okay. So there are a lot of different tests out there. Now being certified through your Enneagram coach, I would recommend the, your Enneagram coach, just Google your Enneagram coach, free, free, highlight free, free assessment. And you can take that there. And I really like the way that it shows you the results because it gives you your top, like it gives levels of each of the different types. Because the fact of the matter is when you take these tests, they are not 100% accurate. Honestly, the more you know yourself, the more accurate they are. But there are those layers. And honestly, there are are two, usually (laughs) I say two types, but there's more than that. There are some types that are more likely to mistype. So they'll answer questions like a type six and type nine are the two that come to mind for me that won't identify as a type six or nine because they answer questions based on their lens. And so just know that when you take a test, it is not hundred percent accurate. You're looking about 70 to 80%, but there are other things that we can identify through that test. So you can narrow it down to two or three. What I like to tell people after they take the test to do is to look at descriptions and to also know that if you see one description or one basic adjective to describe that type and you're like, that is absolutely not me. We're all human. And again, it's like that different colored lens that you see the world in. You may have that basic color, but I, for instance, I'm an Enneagram type one. And my brother-in-law is an Enneagram type one. And we have very different personalities 
with the flavor. So those layers that I talked about. So just know that Enneagram test is not 100% accurate, but peel back the layers a little more and look at the descriptions, look at the strengths, look at your blind spots and weaknesses, and those can be Googled. Also, I am an Enneagram coach, so I do provide resources for moms. But again, just know that it's a tool, okay? Got it. Got it. So we have taken the test. We know what our Enneagram number is. Now we um, want to shift into, um, I feel like it's one of your specialties on how we can start to utilize that for um, making routines. So what are some of the things that we should either start looking for or keep in mind when we're starting to build routines based on our Enneagram number? Okay. So each Enneagram type has core motivations. So they have a core fear. So what they're always trying to avoid, they have a core desire. So what they're always trying to achieve because they feel like it'll be complete fulfillment. They have a core weakness. So it's an issue they're almost always wrestling with. And then a core longing. So that's the message that their heart longs to hear. So in thinking through this lens, as we create routines, there are different paths for each Enneagram type. When I talked about the figure for the Enneagram, each number has an arrow to other numbers. And each Enneagram type has a growth path, a stress path, a blind spot path, and a converging path. And I believe that ultimate growth and transformation comes when we step a little outside our comfort zones. So I want to preface my recommendation for routines by saying that I believe that when we create routines around actions that will lead us into a path of growth, we'll achieve ultimate transformation. So let me just describe this a little bit. I'm a type one. I thrive on structure and organization and just very routine. I love it. I love it. But you know what? My growth path is the healthy attributes of a type seven. And the healthy attributes of a type seven is to include spontaneity, to add a little fun and to relax a little. So when I'll start with type one, since since we're here. So my recommendation for routines with a type one is to add in some flexibility, add in some spontaneity within those routines. You don't always have to do X, Y, and Z for your morning routine. Why don't you change it up a little bit? Instead of doing your deep breathing, why don't you journal a few minutes? So I also recommend type ones challenge themselves a little bit towards growth by doing something new and creative. Often type ones are afraid their their core fear is being wrong and not doing the right thing. So something for type ones to grow is to do something new because it challenges themselves and to step outside of feeling like they're not going to do it right and do something new. So maybe you have an exercise routine why don't you try a dance class instead of your typical cycling class or hit strength to do something new? So do you want me to carry on with with each type and what I recommend? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Let's do it. So we're moving on to type twos. So type twos are known as the nurturing supporter. So their fear is being unwanted and worthless. And they're described as being warm hearted, sincere, caring and supportive. So with type twos, my number one thing with routines for type twos is self-care because so often 
type twos help others that they feel like they're just going to do, do, do for other people. They want to be loving and nurturing and put others first sometimes instead of themselves. And so with, with twos, I want to, to try now make it work for you. I'm not telling you that you need to journal for 10 minutes. I want you to take action in terms of self-care that nourishes you. Maybe that's deep breathing. Maybe that's prayer. Maybe that's going on a walk. And I also want twos to take inventory. So often type twos spend so much time doing for others that they forget to self-reflect and actually think about how they're feeling. Like, how are they feeling? And how is what they're doing for others taking a toll on themselves? So just a little bit of uh, inner reflection for type twos is what I recommend with regards to routines. So adding in self-care and a little self-reflection. So what do I need today? So maybe start your day off. Maybe your morning routine requires you to say, what do I need today so that I can show up and as my best self and then show up as my best self for others. So uh, the whole concept of putting your own oxygen mask on before you put someone else's on. All right. So moving on to type three. So type threes are known as the admirable achiever. So they fear being inefficient or incompetent, and they're described as being driven and energetic and charismatic and pragmatic. So with type twos, growth comes from creating routines that incorporate cooperation. Sometimes type threes want to do it themselves. So they're the one in the group project that's like, oh, just step aside. Y'all don't, you know, I'll do it and I'll do it well. And they will do it well. But for type threes to grow, cooperation is key. Adding in, so when it comes to routines, adding in family members, instead of you doing the dishes every day, why don't you cooperate and do it together as a family? Maybe after dinner, you each have a role that you play in your kitchen cleanup. So adding in cooperation without competition, because type threes tend to be competitive. So why don't we see about growing by taking out the competition from cooperating together. And then also with type threes, their typical routines are very structured and very focused on the doing. Type threes are, are, are very high achieving, but adding in within that routine. So maybe a habit in your morning routine can just simply be being. How about some white space? on your calendar, just being and being okay with that. And knowing that your self-worth doesn't come from you doing more and more and more, because honestly, it can lead to burnout and resentment pretty quickly. All right. Are we ready for type four? Yep. Let's do it. Okay. So type fours are known as the introspective individualists. So they fear being mundane. They fear being flawed and they're described often as expressive and self-aware and authentic. So with type fours, I believe that growth comes when they embrace routines that typically they view as mundane, as I said, with regards to their type. Think of those routines as a way to be a good, good steward of what they have and to show that they are responsible and organized. They can also create a plan So sustainable routines 
more often than not have a plan behind them. So you create a plan to make these habits within your routine sustainable. And sometimes fours can start a habit or a task or a project and not see it through to completion. So a plan is important for type fours. So if they have a cleaning routine and they just all of a sudden are like, I'm picking up my broom and here we go, they're more likely to fail because they don't have a plan in place to help them see through to completion. Okay. Also with type fours, I believe they should add in family focused routines. So not just routines that put their needs first, but also the needs of their family members. So having open communication in their feelings towards a certain routine and then involving them in a way that makes them feel appreciated and part of the family unit. Type fives. Type fives are known as the investigative thinker. So they're very analytical. They fear feeling depleted. So having their energy taken from them, they're scholarly, they're observant, and they're innovative. So with type fives, with regards to routines, I think that they can grow when they include a routine around physical activity. So type fives can always be thinking and learning and trying to improve their mind and their brain. But they'll see growth when they realize the importance of a holistic approach to growth. So that includes physical activity. So getting some physical activity in, it doesn't have to be a 60-minute cycling class. It can be a walk for five minutes. So including some physical activity and then also adding an excitement. So family dance parties, instead of just a very structured way to clean, why don't you add in some music and dance? They could also do what I like to call as a gratitude journal. So maybe thinking about three things they're grateful for instead of constantly focusing potentially on the negatives or why they're overthinking. So type six is known as the loyalist. They love support. They are very dependable. With type sixes, I recommend ultimate growth through rest. So within your routine, adding in self-care in the form of rest to slow down and take a breath. And then also including family members in your routines, because sometimes type sixes can become in stress, closed off to other people's thoughts and ideas around many things in this world. But why don't we apply it to family routines? So maybe having a family meeting before you start a new routine in the house, getting their thoughts, getting their opinions, being open-minded to those. Maybe they could start a journal where they focus on the three positive parts of each day because type sixes are constantly thinking about what could go wrong and trying to plan in advance. But instead, maybe they could reflect on what went right, what went right that day. So that could be a part of a routine as well. So type sixes, or excuse me, type sevens are the enthusiasts. So they're extroverted, they're playful, they're optimistic. They do, they want to do, do, do. They they don't want to spend time thinking. They don't want to, to often, they don't want to think about their feelings and think about the sad parts of their life. So type seven, growth, add in relaxation to your routine. 
to think inward a little bit. Maybe that could be deep breathing as part of a self-care routine, meditation, make it work for you, but adding in some type of relaxation. Also with type sevens, they, they tend to lean towards spontaneity. So any type sevens who are listening out there, hearing the word routine might make them cringe because they feel like that might trap them from having fun and doing all of the things out in this world. So I recommend for ultimate growth for seven to add a little bit of structure. Now I'm not talking about routines in the form that people sometimes think of them. They don't have to be time specific, but maybe add a little bit of structure so that your kids and yourself can have a little bit of predictability because curveball curveballs come our way. But if you add a little structure, you have something that you can either look forward to or count on. So another thing for type sevens could be top priorities. So adding in your top priority, whether it's for the day or for the week within a routine, because sometimes seven gets so excited about all the things that are exciting and new and forget to follow through and finish a task to completion. And then also taking ownership of their tasks. So sometimes tasks and chores aren't fun, but they're part of being in a family unit. Part of being a mom, there are things you can delegate. Let me preface by saying that. But some things are best for you to do. So take responsibility for them. And maybe think think of ways you can add in a little bit of fun. So we've got two types left, Tony. Type eight, the challenger, can be very honest. They, They do have strong boundaries. But with type eights, again, and I've you've seen this through some of the other types, self care. Self care is very important for type eights. It can allow type eights to get in touch with how they feel and their vulnerabilities because often type eights have this shell exteriorly. They seem very tough and potentially, uh, you know, forward and direct, but they have a tender heart like none other. And it's important for type eights to touch into that. So maybe their self care could be journal with like a prompt. Maybe it could be a meditation about, you know, their feelings. Getting in touch with that is important for type eights. And then also with type eights, adding in a routine that helps you serve others in your family. So maybe, for example, you could decide during your meal planning routine that you want to fix your spouse's favorite dish because they have a really tough upcoming week. So thinking about ways that you can serve others as a type eight will help this type grow when it comes to routines. Last type, type nine is the peacemaker. So they're people pleasers. They absolutely detest confrontation. They don't like confrontation. They try to avoid it. They're creatures of comfort. And sometimes they're known to potentially be slothful. And that's not necessarily with regards to physical activity, but just the comfort, not making waves. keeping on to to keep the peace. So type nines could get specific about a plan that they have to complete routines because again, they're creatures of comfort. And so if if they try a new routine, they could get overwhelmed very easily because it's out of their comfort zone. So I recommend type nines start really small and really slow. What's one habit you can add to a morning routine? What's one habit you can add to a Sunday prep routine? Uh, They tend to procrastinate to avoid the hard things because, again, it's out of their comfort zone. 
So come up with a plan, plan in advance for your routine to help you succeed. Adding in self-care. I think I could say that with this with each type, but adding in self-care within a routine is important for, for type nines because they sometimes take on the desires of others and lose touch with what they're truly passionate about. So maybe journaling will help type nines get in touch with their true desires and passions. And then also trying something new, stepping outside their comfort zone, maybe with regards to picking up a new hobby or trying a new exercise routine. Tony, and I hope that I've given some steps and advice for routines that lead towards growth. It's not just, it's not just taking a, well, I'm a type one and I'm going to do what type ones do. I am passionate about people using the Enneagram so that they can transform and thrive as moms, not just survive day to day doing what they do, but thrive. So I hope this has been helpful with regards to routines. Yes. Yes. This was so good. I was just making notes of all the different types. So yes, love all of this. And definitely I'm starting to see, cause remember I was saying that, oh yeah, I didn't, or on the test, I came back as a type two and I was like, I don't know. But once you start talking, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She probably is right then. <laughs> So yes, I definitely see that. And I, and I see what you're saying about the layers too, as well. Um, but like you said, self-care can be incorporated with all of the different types in some different kinds of ways. So I love that you brought that up too, because that's something that I think we overlook sometimes as moms, but I'm just yeah. wondering now, um, like how can we use the Enneagram um, to figure out our blind spots? So we figured out, you know, how we can uh, use it for routines and, and, and growth, but um, how can we use it to find those blind spots? Okay. When I talked about the different paths, so those arrows on the Enneagram figure, the growth path leads to a number, okay? The blind spot is actually the opposite. So you, instead of taking on the healthy attributes of that number that your arrow is going to, you actually take on the average to unhealthy attributes of that other number. And usually blind spots appear the most with those we're closest to. So we may act out, we may take on those attributes with those we feel closest to. So maybe it's family, maybe it's close friends. So a type one, average to unhealthy type seven is what they take on with blind spots. So they may become more self-focused. They may become greedy. And let me also preface all of this by saying these are sometimes kind of negative and harsh, but please know that we're all human. And the more we become aware of our blind spots, Tony Ann, the better we're able to, again, that rumble strip veer back to a path of growth. So let me say this because this might be a downer, but I want to bring it back up and wrap it up in a nice bow in the end. So type ones, they can become a little more childish, but the big red flag with type ones is criticism. When they start criticizing others, they're often blind to the fact that it's hurtful. They think they're trying to make the world a better place by being right and and doing good when in fact they may be hurting others. So criticism is the red flag for type ones. Type twos, they take on the average to unhealthy attributes of a type four. So type twos may become overly emotional and sensitive. They may openly talk about darker ambitions and cravings that they may have. Type twos can get hurt and then express that disappointment. They may indulge in things and not really know why they're doing it. 
a thing to watch out for with type twos as far as blind spots is that you may become overly moody and temperamental. And that's not typical characteristics of a type two. So ask yourself what's going on. Getting curious is important when you identify these blind spots. Why? There's something going on in the life in your life. So type threes, average to unhealthy type six. Red flag for type threes is when you are moving in a direction that you no longer are trusting people and you're very suspicious and think other people have ulterior motives. Type threes also don't like being blamed. And so when type threes notice that they're being blamed, but then they just walk away, they don't even want to deal with it. They're done. They don't even want to work things out. That's a red flag. And type threes can also become blind to a negative attitude. They may have a negative attitude around friends and family and not even know it. Type fours. Type fours take on the unhealthy to average of type one. So they may focus more on their flaws and what they see wrong in themselves. They may not see their positive attributes. And that's a red flag that they're heading down this path, this blind spot. A red flag with type fours is that they may become impatient, annoyed, and judgmental because that's not typical characteristics of type four. Again, ask why. Get curious when you notice that in yourself. Type five, unhealthy average of type eight. So type five love facts and knowledge and learning. And so when someone tells them that they're wrong or incorrect, they may argue to the, to the death that they're right and the other person is wrong. They may become more feisty when they head down this blind spot path. They ha may have feelings of betrayal that lead to actions that sometimes may become vengeful in nature. So that's a red flag. And also type five need to watch out for becoming indifferent about feelings and especially about the importance of close relationships in their life. So that's another red flag with type fives. Type sixes become the average to unhealthy attributes of type nine. So a red flag, a big red flag for type six is being passive aggressive. So they become passive aggressive in order to avoid confrontation. That's a red flag that you're heading down the blind spot path. They may withdraw and not really know why. They may become upset when they're ignored or interrupted. I have a, a, a someone in my life who is a type six, and I noticed that blind spot sometimes, uh, being interrupted, getting really annoyed um, by that. So type sixes may become angry when the pressures that they feel are being put on them overwhelm them so much that they completely resist taking action on those pressures. And they can also project their own fears out into the world in the blind spot path. Type seven, unhealthy average of type five. So they become less, remember those type sevens are the fun, spontaneous uh, folks. They become less positive. They become withdrawn. They may become more observational instead of getting in on the action. That's a red flag for a type seven. They may conserve their energy to, so then they become less excitable. That's another one. They may not trust others, whereas they in, in growth path, they do. And big red flag with type seven, pessimism and cynicism for them are red flags because that's not a typical trait. Type eight, we've got two more types. Type eight becomes the average to unhealthy side of a type two. So type eights 
may look for ways for people to depend on them, may come up with things so that people will depend on them for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And they desire, almost insist appreciation from others. They may become clingy and needy and dependent. Those are red flags because that's not a typical behavior of a type eight. And they may become so helpful to others that they're stepping over boundaries in the process. And they sometimes won't, in in blind spot path, won't own up to their weaknesses. So type nine, become the average to unhealthy of type number three. So type nines become easily hurt in this blind spot path and easily hurt, especially when people point out their weaknesses. Because honestly, sometimes type nines don't even know that because they're not in touch with those true feelings that they have and true weaknesses that they they sometimes uh, express. Type nines may start to brag. This is a red flag for type nines. If they're outwardly bragging about their achievements, especially to those close to them, that can be a red flag. Another thing with type nines, blind spot path, is busy work. If you are a type nine and you notice yourself just getting caught up in easy tasks, you're most likely trying to avoid the hard things in life. So that can be a red flag. And also forgetfulness with type nines. Sometimes they'll say yes and not even process they've said yes and then forget about it because type nines sometimes have a problem with saying no in their uh, path of stress. So learning to say yes, but we forgetfulness can be a red flag. There we are with the blind spots, Sonia. Nice, nice. And those are all really good too. Um, definitely took some more notes on all of those. Um, and I really find all of this helpful. And I see now really with all of the information that you've been sharing, how the Enneagram is such a great tool to really help to understand yourself and um, use that to um, improve and, and like you said, um, thrive, um, when, especially in motherhood. And the one thing that I love about you is that you are really committed to helping moms with thriving and you have a summit that you are um, hosting that is coming up here very, very soon. So if you are listening at the time of this recording, that summit is coming up in just days. So I wanted you to tell us a little bit about the summit when it's starting and all of the details. Yes, it's called the Thriving Mom Summit, and it's going to take place October 18th through the 31st, and I have brought together over 30 expert speakers from all areas of thriving in motherhood with regards to physical organization, mental clutter, routines, thriving. I even had an expert speaker talk about Enneagram and clutter. Amazing. So I really want moms to be able to get the tools and strategies that can help them thrive and not just survive day to day. The setup of the summit will be three speakers each day. And those three speakers, the interviews will become available at 6 a.m. Eastern and you'll have 24 hours to watch those videos. And then we'll have Q&As in our Facebook group. So I have a Facebook group, Less Overwhelmed, More Joy for Moms where we'll have Q&As and giveaways and wrap-up parties for those participating in the Thriving Mom Summit. It's absolutely free to attend. I do have an opportunity for a VIP ticket where you'll have unlimited access to all the interviews and the freebies. So each expert speaker has given all attendees a free gift 
that helps them implement the strategies and tools that they talk about in their particular interview. So I'm so excited, Tony Ann, and I was so excited to have you as one of our expert speakers in this summit. And I hope that moms who feel like they're drowning, moms who feel overwhelmed, and moms who are ready for something different than surviving day to day will take this opportunity and participate. Absolutely. Yes. And yours truly will be one of the speakers there. So um, I'm really excited about that too, because I love being a part of um, these programs, especially ones like yours, where we're really helping moms like with really practical things. So super pumped. I will make sure to include all the links in the show notes. Now, Carrie, before we signed off, I wanted you to give us some words of encouragement or a motivational quote for us real happy moms. Yeah. So I truly believe that moms are made to thrive. I think that so often moms feel like being a mom requires us to feel depleted and defeated and to put ourselves on the back burner until this motherhood thing is over. But the fact is there are so many ways in which we can discover our true selves and thrive, not just survive day to day on this motherhood journey. And it's absolutely worth it to feel accomplished and fulfilled in your motherhood path. Because honestly, we're moms way beyond age 18 when we, when maybe they fly out of the house. But my encouragement to moms today is you were made to thrive and don't just accept what you see out in society as the norm, feeling depleted, feeling like you're not enough. Because you are enough and you have the strength, you have the gifts to thrive in this world, to thrive in your home and to make an impact in your home and beyond. So my encouragement to moms is you were made to thrive. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you so much for that. Now, Carrie, if we want to learn more about you and connect with you, where can we find you online? So where, what I talked about with my summit Facebook group is where I am the most is less overwhelmed, more joy for moms. Facebook group. I'm also on Instagram, Carrie Thompson, LLC. Also have a business page, Carrie Thompson, LLC as well. And then for the summit, thrivingmomsummit.com will be the website to register for your free ticket to be able to connect with me in that way. I will have programs that are available, Enneagram coaching and a support group for moms. So be on the lookout for that. But I'd love to have you to connect via social media. You can also email me at any time, Carrie, and I spelled a little different, K-E-R-R-I at CarrieThompson.com. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll be sure to include all the links as well as your email in the show notes. Carrie, thank you again so much for coming on. This has truly been Really, really good information. And I really appreciate you. Thank you, Tony Ann. It's been a pleasure. Now that does it for this episode of the Real Happy Mom podcast. To find all of the links that were mentioned in this episode, as well as the show notes, head over to realhappymom.com slash 156. And if you haven't already, go ahead and get signed up for the Thriving Mom Summit that is happening very, very soon. Go to realhappymom.com slash thriving, or just head over to the show notes and you'll find the link there at realhappymom.com slash 156. 
Now, I really hope that you will join me in this summit. It is going to be amazing, and I don't want you to miss out on it. I know that there are plenty of speakers out there. I'm sure there is at least one or two that can help you out. So go ahead and get signed up so that you can get access to all of the speakers and their presentations, as well as those freebies out there. All right, that's realhappymom.com slash thriving to get signed up for the summit. Now that's it for this episode. Make sure to stay tuned for next week for another full episode. Take care and with lots of love.